What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and so glad to be with you. We have got a jam-packed show. We've got the GM of the Houston Texans, Brian Gang, going to join us. We've got CBS Sports analyst extraordinaire Pete Prisco. He's going to join us. They both joined Mark actually at the owners' meetings in Phoenix over the last couple of days. And I had a chance to catch up with the general manager of Lone Star Sports Entertainment, David Fletcher, who had a massive announcement today. It's a, of a soccer ride. I know a lot of you are going to think, well, wait a second, John. Soccer, that's not your thing. And it's not, but... I love going to international soccer matches because I've never been to one. I would love to go to one. I've always said I'd love to go to one. And now I'm going to have that opportunity. So I actually, I can appreciate soccer. I'm not the biggest MLS fan. I'm not the biggest international fan, whatever. I, I love World Cup and I love big brands. So I got a feeling that the news that Fletch gives us in the next segment will uh, be will be pretty important for a lot of you soccer fans out there. And he talks about that. So we'll, I'll let him unveil that news. If you missed the news, I don't want to kill the surprise, if you will. So I'll let him do that. But Brian Gain, David Fletcher, Pete Prisco, a lot to do. But there's some news. First and foremost, Matt Khalil, a Texan. That announced by the team earlier this afternoon. We've talked about that, so I don't want to spend too much time on that. And we're going to talk to Brian Gain about that here in just a little bit. But the NFL came down with some news last night. And when I saw it, I had to make sure I was not looking at Adnan Sharder, Adam Scheister Twitter account, you know, or Brian Rappaport. I had to make sure I was looking at this at the right proper account. Because when I saw this news, I went, whoa, they actually did it. This is something that it's so funny because Andre and Mark and myself – during the summer when the CFL is playing, we we get on a group text. And it's like, hey, you guys watch Saskatchewan versus Edmonton? Hey, you watching this? And it's like, oh, that's where this guy ended up. Or, hey, Devere Posey, former Texans, doing this. So we love to watch the CFL during the summer, and we sort of do it together. And one of the things that Andre always talks about, and I've always kind of pushed against this, but Andre says, look, pass interference over in Canada is reviewable. And I have always felt like that is a very slippery slope. And obviously, the NFC Championship game opened up Pandora's box, if you will, to all different kind of replay options. And one of those was pass interference is a judgment call. Can it be reviewable? And if you think about the things that are reviewable in the NFL right now, they're not judgment calls. I mean, I guess to a degree, did he catch it, did he not catch it, that kind of thing. So I guess it's maybe judgment, but it was not used for penalty situations. Now replay is going to be used for both pass interference calls that are made, pass interference calls that are not made. They are not increasing the number of challenges that a coach gets. So a lot of people are like, oh, this is going to make the game so long. It's not increasing the number of challenges. It's the same number of challenges. But both non-calls and called uh, flags, offensive and defensive. And I know some people are like, wait a second. DeAndre Hopkins, he gets that little push-off. Is he going to get called for that kind of thing? I-, I don't know. From what the NFL said last night, 
it is going to be the blatant calls. Which okay, we'll, we'll see kind of how that goes. I, I I am willing to wait and see. As Andre will point out, he loves this. Did they do it in Canada? They can figure out how to do it here. I felt like it was a little bit of an over exaggeration or over aggressive response to the one play in the NFC Championship game. I don't know that there had been this huge outcry until then. So at this point, I feel like we're going in the direction of what Bill Belichick has wanted all along, and that is everything to be reviewed. And I'm actually I'm to that point. And look, I've always been a college guy. They review everything. Now you can't review PI, offensive and defensive pass interference. You cannot. You can't review those. Now you can in the NFL. So I am very curious to see how this is going to play out. I'm, if I had to lean one way or the other, I would, not, I would not want it to happen. But that said, I can see where it's coming from. So I understand it. But I just feel like there was an over-exaggeration, um, an over-aggressive move and reaction to what happened in the championship game. And that's why they did it. It was almost as if we made a mistake in that game. We've got to fix it. And so I get making mistakes. And sometimes when you make a mistake, just say, yeah, we screwed up. We messed up. We're going to hold the officials accountable. You know, we're, we're letting go of this crew. We're not going to have all-star crews. That's one I wish they would have made. No all-star crews in playoff games. If you're on Cleet Blakeman's crew, you're on Cleet Blakeman's crew, and you were on Cleet Blakeman's crew all the way through the playoffs and the Super Bowl. No more all-star crews. Those are terrible, and that's what they had in the playoffs. I think that ends up being a huge problem, just my opinion. But I think that's, that, to me, is a bigger problem. P.I. being reviewed. I, I think just the challenges with this are if you're watching a play and you don't see interference, but you see defensive holding. Can you call defensive holding? I don't think you can. And that happens a lot of times. A lot of times there's a defensive holding before the ball is released, and then there's not actual interference as the ball's coming down or the ball's in the air, but there was definitely defensive holding they missed. Well, are they going to call that? Well, as soon as you put that up on the video board, people are going to see that, not understanding fully the rules of pass interference. You go, that's pass interference. Well, no, that was actually and should have been defensive holding, but they're not going to call it because it was pass interference. So are they going to call it on Hail Marys? Are we going to have to wait after a Hail Mary to go to review because under two minutes, just like with everything else, under two minutes, the review goes upstairs. So challenges are taken out of the hands of the coaches at that point, and the review goes upstairs like it does now. So in a Hail Mary situation, I don't know how many times I've seen guys just get just pushed in the back, crazy PI fouls, and they probably shouldn't be called, but are they going to have to review those now? And if they do... Is the ball going to go to the one-yard line? I mean, if that's the case, the first game that I'm down by seven, man, I just I throw it to the end zone and just see what happens. Try and draw a penalty through interference. Maybe not even try and catch it. Just try and get a penalty through interference or get one through, re- uh, get one through review. So things will change. We'll see how this kind of levels out. and They'll do it for a year, and then next year they'll vote on whether they want to make it permanent. They made the kickoff rules permanent that they changed last year. It was a one-year uh, contract, if you will, but now they've made those permanent uh, for the kickoff rules, and we'll see how this goes forward with pass interference. So it'll be exciting to talk to Mark uh, to see what he has to say because we've had the three of us had this discussion, and Andre was always pushing it. I, mean, I think Mark and I were kind of a little resistant to it, but it's now a reality. It's now a way of life in the NFL. So we'll see how it all plays out. Now, Mark was in Phoenix and had the opportunity to catch up with 
GM Brian Gain. Here's Mark at the owners' meetings with Brian. Joining us right now from Phoenix, it's General Manager Brian Gain. Brian, what are these meetings like for you going through this process? I know this is year two, but uh, now that you've been in the flow a little bit. You know, I would describe it as a state of the union as it relates to the league and, uh, you know, where we are right now moving forward. You know, there's obviously a significant emphasis on on this experience this week on player safety, something we all encourage, something we, uh, we all endorse. So any opportunity to improve, ascend, and develop those areas for the player's safety critically important uh learning about the rules the projections of any possible changes uh learning the dynamics of those rules absorbing those digesting those digesting those to make sure that uh we're all getting arriving to the best solution for the league um and what we think is best obviously for the texans as well you know equally you're here with your peers it's a unique circumstance to be here with 32 teams all the head coaches, the general managers, ownership, and in some degree, you know, families. You, you see them with their families. So uh, from a camaraderie standpoint and the profession, that's kind of an intangible experience here that, that I've enjoyed. Well, one thing I find interesting is it's so competitive, but you see these coaches talking, and many of them really are friends. And I know you're friends with so many guys from around the league. You've worked with a lot of these guys. Yeah, I've had a great opportunity, obviously, to, to be in the league here with uh, – four different organizations and I've learned something from from every experience that I've had you know from the owners from the general managers the head coaches the various relationships you know it's also a good chance it almost feels like uh, indirectly like a workshop here where you're here with your peers and you have the opportunity to maybe exchange some ideas and you have them in a, maybe in a moment where you know you, you're just sitting there eating a meal and you're talking about you know your draft process or you're talking about you know, maybe some some experience you, that you've had uh, negotiating with players, just using those as examples, um, or maybe there's a, there's a, something they're doing procedurally in terms of uh, how they build their draft board. There are unique circumstances and experiences that we can share on an individual basis that uh, maybe you can learn a thing or two when you come here. Well, we talked to you at the Combine. I know this is such a long process, really, but as the league year got going, you started to sign some guys, and particularly on the back end, early-ish, you got going with Tashawn Gibson, with Bradley Roby, with Bria Body Calhoun. How did these guys help you out in the back end? Yeah, so a unique circumstance for us this offseason, we had some key free agents going into the market here, going into the winter, and uh, we wish those guys well who departed. They have great opportunities elsewhere. But as it relates to the Texans, you know, Tashawn Gibson is coming here to be uh, one of our starting safeties, someone we're uniquely, uniquely familiar with because we played him twice a year with the Jaguars. He's 5'11", 210 pounds. We think he's got a fully dimensional skill set as it relates to playing man coverage, playing zone coverage. He can support the run. He's a good tackler. He's a good communicator. He can play on the back end. He can come down and play in the box. And obviously he has experience playing in the AFC South. Bradley Roby was a player that uh, we're uniquely uh, uniquely familiar with as well because we've played Denver frequently here in the last few years. Uh, 5'11", 190 pounds, former first-round draft pick, ran 4'3", coming out, can play man coverage. We're interested in that. Um, been to the Super Bowl, so he's had a taste of success. Had an opportunity to start last year. It was a one-year deal that we got done with him. We're expecting him to come in and be a starter for us. With Body Calhoun, he wasn't tendered as an RFA at Cleveland. He's had great experience playing in the nickel position, but also has had been a hybrid player, and he's played at the, in the safety, safety position as well. He also was a good gunner on special teams, so added some depth, some versatility with him. Uh, but we've been pleased with what we've been able to do in the offseason here as it relates to the back end on the defense to uh, continually partner up with what we think is the strength of our team as the front seven of our defense. All right, so offensively up front, Darren Fells at tight end. What does he bring to the table for you? 
Darren has a great amount of experience uh, being a, what we call a Y-blocking presence in the, in the running game, uh, big body dimension at the edge of the line of scrimmage. He's borderline 6'7", 260 pounds, and he's a big target in the passing game. But uh, for us, we see that he'll have a, a significant presence for us as it relates to, to the rushing attack, and that was something we wanted to address at some point this offseason, so we were pleased to get an opportunity to get him. He's also a guy with veteran experience. He's known to be a very good mentor, a very good locker room guy, a uh, very good football character. His work ethic is intangible, so we were pleased to add him. Matt Khalil on the offensive line. He's got some experience. He's had some injury issues, but he's got some ability. So Matt has been a documented starting left tackle in the league, uh, two different organizations. Uh, you know, he started in the NFL left tackle for 16 games for four straight seasons. Unfortunately, in 2016, he dealt with injury and missed that season, but he returned in 2017 to play a full 16-game season in the playoff game versus the Saints when he was with Carolina. And unfortunately, in 2018, he incurred a knee injury. Uh, we think he's going to be fine, going to be ready to go by the time we get to the season. We're going to work real hard to make sure that uh, he's ready to go when we kick off here September 1st. He's going to arrive here with the Texans in a compete-to-start role. He's got a great opportunity in front of him, and that'll be something interesting to watch here between him and Julian Davenport. Now, the one-year deal, this is going around for the Houston Texans. You did it last year with Tyron. You have a few this year. How does that help you? How does it help the player? Perhaps it's an opportunity for them to get to know us. It's an opportunity for us to get to know them and to make a decision as it relates to a long-term extension. Uh, but sometimes the market dictates that. Sometimes the free agency market will, will allow that the free agency starts, and perhaps maybe it did go your way, perhaps it didn't. But maybe if there's a marriage from both sides and there's a willing partnership to, hey, let's, let's see if we can make this work. Uh, so sometimes the market dictates that, and sometimes it's a position that, that we want to pursue to see if it's a marriage that we could work out long-term in this situation with Bradley it did and in this situation with Matt Khalil it did. With the O-line, you mentioned Julio Davenport briefly there, and the development of an offensive lineman, this takes a while very often, and you have to balance that out between you need results right away, but sometimes it takes a few years for these guys to really reach their peak. It does. It does. As it relates to Julian, you know, this will be year three for him coming from what I would consider a smaller school program. And it's another year of development, another offseason under his belt. I think he'll be even better going into next year because of that and because of his experience, those experiences that he had this year as a starter. And if you remember earlier in the year, he played left, he played right. So he offers that versatility as well, depending on how things unravel. We've got Santrell Henderson back on a one-year deal as well. Unfortunately, he got hurt game one last year. But he was trending. All the positive things were trending in the right direction as it related to his preseason performance. And even the few rep reps that he played in that New England game, you know, we were pleased with Zach Fulton. Nick Martin played a full 16-game season. We were very happy with that as he struggled with injury his first two years. And Senior Kilamite was a solid find for us playing left guard. So Greg Manns comes back off the bench. So we're pleased with that. We got some options here. We're going to be a year better with the experience with some of the younger players ascending. So we're hoping for a very positive offseason, another year of cohesion, another year of working together with that group. Yeah, how helpful will it be for Martinez Rankin to have that offseason healthy, getting ready for the campaign? Yeah, I failed to mention Martinez. This is a great opportunity for him. And very often in off-season programs, the, the rookies, or once they complete their rookie season, they make their biggest jumps in the, their first full off-season after their rookie campaign. So we're excited about Martinez. He was a starting left tackle in the, in the SEC. For us, he played left tackle last year and some guard. We think we consider him an offensive lineman. He's going to have a great, great opportunity to compete to start either at the tackle position or the guard position and may the best man win. So time will tell how that unravels. 
but we're excited about his prospectus as it relates to coming into the offseason. One month away from the draft, what is the focus on right now in crunch time to get ready for that? So we feel we had a very good process leading through February and then the combine. We had our February meetings leading into the combine preparation. We executed what we needed to get out of it from the combine, from the physical performance standpoint, the interviews and the medical. And we're into this phase of the pro days now. You know, the month of March is heavily populated with the pro days. Our scouts are descending on the schools and uh, the universities to do one final evaluation for the players, sourcing just to find any more background information that we could use. And then it leads into our final draft meetings here in the early portions of April. We'll get back to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And I stress the word uh, Texans because we talk Texans a lot of times. But right now... There is Brian Gain with Mark Vandermeer, Startup Next, General Manager with my good friend, joining me, John Harris, your host, is big announcement with a huge announcement. That's coming up next on Texas today. My man, David Fletcher. Fletch, how you doing, buddy? Look, it doesn't get any better than days like today, Johnny. How about that big announcement for Houston? I'll tell you this. I can I tell you, I'm a little bit envious because you get to drop like cool nuggets like this. Whereas I just like sit in a dark room and watch film and do all that kind of stuff. Like I never get to break any news or any nuggets. You get to like drop these, hey, we're sending this out and everybody's going to love this. And you sent out a really good one today. That's pretty cool that you get to do that. You do it with the bowl game. You do it with kickoff game. I mean, you get to do this all the time. You're like breaking news with all these great games and all these great things coming to Houston. Hey, Johnny, you know what? You, you can break the news. I'll let you do it. No, you do I'll it? let you do it. I, okay. I'm, not, I, I'll, I'm I'll all about sharing the wealth. Because we talked about the Texans. Obviously, that is American football. But we got to talk a little football. And if you follow, and I know there are lots of you out there that follow the international soccer scene, this news, Fletch, is huge for the city of Houston. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we are very excited, as was announced earlier today, to welcome Real Madrid and Bayern Munich to Houston Saturday, July 20th, a night game at NRG Stadium, part of the International Champions Cup for 2019, two of the arguably three biggest soccer brands in the world, and it's coming back to Houston for what will be an outstanding night of football here at the stadium. So this is the same tournament that a couple of years ago we had the Manchester Derby here, correct? Correct. Which was Man City and Man U. So it's the same tournament, and they're coming back to Houston. First of all, Fletch, A, why would they do that? And B, I guess I'm going to answer my own question, it must have been successful enough the first time that they want to come back a second time and bring in a couple other key brands here. Well, the ICC has grown into the premier preseason tournament in the world uh, of soccer uh, as it relates to clubs. Uh, this event will be in the Americas and around the world for the seventh time this summer. And uh, we are very fortunate to bring back uh, a match here for the second time. You mentioned the Derby in 2017. Almost 70,000 in the building for that spectacle. Yep. You know, I mean, you had every celebrity in Houston from J.J. <laughs> to, to Drake was in town. I mean, it was a big deal to see those two play in the first ever uh, match outside the U.K. for those storied uh, teams. This um, is definitely at least on par with, if not even bigger in terms of scale. Real Madrid, um, arguably the biggest brand in all of sports in the world. Yes, even bigger than the yep. Cowboys, the yeah. Yankees, you name it. I mean, Real Madrid and their their star-studded roster, which uh, will, will include this summer. We fully expect the likes of Gareth Bale, of uh, – of, um, 
sorry, Gareth Bale of uh, Sergio Ramos. Uh, of course, they announced earlier this month that uh, the, their their all world head coach uh, Zizou Zizan returned as uh, uh, to the head coaching chair after a year hiatus. So um, you know, anytime you hear the words Real Madrid, um, it is synonymous with success. The most storied and winningest soccer team in the history of the world uh, from a club level. And then on the other side, Bayern Munich, um, who has equaled in, in stature, if not in championships, uh, champions of the Bundesliga, uh, have won the, the Champions League many, many times. You've got huge world brands like Modric, like Jaimes Rodriguez, like Tomas Müller, that are on that team, um, and and when you have those star-studded players on the field, it doesn't matter if it's quote a friendly; they're going to get up for those kind of games. When I, I heard uh, Charlie Stilitano, the the, the chairman of uh, of Relevant and ICC today at the announcement, say uh, big gets up for big, and that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happens. That's in a these great kind point. Of tournaments, you know, and so um, you know when you look at at the, at the uh, history of the soccer. Um, events we've had in this community. Um, I mean, every single year, major events are coming to Houston. Even just last night's uh, U.S. Men's National Team draw with Chile over at BBVA Compass. A great night for Houston. Uh, as you know, Johnny, as we've talked about, Houston absolutely is one of the, the premier destinations for soccer in the world. We're a finalist for the World Cup bid. This type of event this July will only add to that story and uh, hopefully uh, for us we'll, we'll end in, um, in, a, in another chapter of uh, – of uh, World Cup success here two years from now, Fletch. Uh, I'll ask this, and and maybe the answer is is easier than I than I see. But why has that become the case? I mean, we have had so many. I mean, I think about since coming back to Houston in in two thousand seven, and being in the building since twenty fourteen. Just even since twenty fourteen, the number of world club teams that we've seen, like you said, Manchester United, Man U. Uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. I mean, to see these teams come in here, the number of friendlies that Mexico has played in here. Uh, what uh, we had uh, was a Gold Cup. We had a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's been. We'll have it back, We'll have it back here again this summer. Yeah. Uh, in, in NRG on Why June 29th. Why has Houston become that destination? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons that stand out first and foremost. And it starts, obviously, with Jamie Roots and the McNair family. Their investment very early on in NRG Stadium, then Reliant Stadium, uh, in bringing the beautiful game to, to Houston. Um, you know, J- Jamie was a huge champion and still is of the soccer efforts. And uh, in 2003, he, he led the group to uh, convince the U.S. soccer to bring a, a major international match to Reliant Stadium when really that happened hadn't been something people had done and all it did was have 70,000 people in it and (laughs) kind of spark the success that led to the dynamo uh, and their inception here. So, um, you know, obviously having great champions like that is a, is a huge part of, of the story. Uh, Houston in itself, you've got this beautiful facility, you've got incredible airports, you know, Houston is the number one hub for United airlines in the world. It's the gateway to Latin America, which is so prominent um, when it comes to the business of soccer. Um, Houston's the most diverse community community in America. And so when you look at the game of soccer, it's such a global um, enterprise. A community like Houston is perfectly situated for it. And then uh, I, think, I think you add in the, the fact that, you know, we have been able to continue to draw big events and 
going off of Charlie's line from earlier, big brings big, right? Yeah, true. I mean, we've hosted Copa America Centenario among the elite cities in the country. We've hosted Gold Cup every year in this market, whether it be here or over at BBVA since 2005. We have done major international events as big as any other market. So when opportunities like this come to, 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 come to the table, um, we're absolutely jumping front and center. And – uh, again, we're, we're vying for a World Cup, an opportunity uh, to host in 2026. Uh, Houston, one of the 17 finalists in the U.S., of which they'll select 10. Um, being able to show you know, what we have been able to do over the last 15 years is great. What we're able to do over the next two years is even better. Yeah. So as a community, it's really important for us to have these events and for them to look great, just like last night's event did over at BBVA. All right, Fletch, timeline this for me. So July 20th. We'll have Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. Uh, you mentioned Gold Cup. When when will that be coming in? Yeah, so we have Gold Cup over here at NRG for a quarterfinal, headlined uh, by the Mexico and Costa Rica brackets. That'll be a doubleheader on Saturday, June 29th. Okay. Gold Cup will be over at BBVA on the Friday before on the 21st as well, led by Honduras. So, uh, And then uh, you've got great Dynamo action. You've got great – you've got the Dash season starting up in a of couple weeks. Uh, and uh, all the other events that we're doing at Lone Star Sports Entertainment from this year's Advocare Texas kickoff with U of H in Washington State, Rice in Texas coming coming back and playing here at NRG yep. on September 14th. Of course, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl and the Battle of the Piney Woods presented by HEB. It's, it's shaping up to be a spectacular year for events in Houston, and uh, we're very excited uh, about all of them, but certainly about today's announcement as well. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. I know you always do this, and I want to make sure that we, we uh, pay this. If people want to go, how do they get tickets? What should they do? Yeah, so tickets are going to be going on sale on April, Tuesday, April 9th. So okay. um, got about two weeks till, uh, till that. However, go to lsse.net. Uh, and you can sign up for the pre-sale opportunities now. Um, all the event information on all the events that we're doing at Lone Star Sports Entertainment are there at lsse.net. Um, and, of course, you can find uh, a lot of that information as well, HoustonTexans.com. There it is. Fletch, congratulations, man. This is a tremendous event. I know you guys uh, will crush it. So excited to see those two brands here at NRG Stadium. Thank you, my man. Thank you. That is tremendous news for the football crowd out there. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. July 20th, get your tickets, lssc.net. Coming up next, Pete Prisco. He is A, one of the most prickly media members there might be. B, he's one of my favorites. And he had a few minutes with Mark Vandermeer at the owners' meetings. We'll talk with CBS Sports Pete Prisco next right here in Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst at Salon, reporter for your Houston Texans, and glad to be with you. I went to Texas A&M Pro Day yesterday. Not a whole lot coming out of there. The guys that went to the combine for the Aggies, and I think they had eight of them, maybe nine. They had a lot of guys that went to the combine. They pretty much rested on what they did at the combine, so some really good testing from Eric McCoy, uh, good testing from Travion Williams. They did position drills. You know, Donovan Wilson didn't run his 40 still, so I don't know what that's all about. But either way, A&M yesterday, and then on Thursday, I'm going to head over to the University of Houston I'll give you an update on that uh, on Friday uh, from what I'm able to see. I think it'll be John McClain on with Mark. We'll double-check with that. But University of Houston Pro Day tomorrow. So Ed Oliver would be the feature film there to watch. The more I think about it, the more I think Ed may not do a full testing gamut. I, I don't know what tells me that. I just 
I feel like that might be the case, that Ed's not going to do all of the testing or maybe any of the testing. He maybe just does position drills. All he did at the combine was bench press, which was extraordinary. I think it was 32 reps. He did the vertical jump, and he did the broad jump. That was it. He didn't do any of the movement drills on the field. He didn't do any of the position uh, drills. Ed's kind of kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. So there might be a thought that he's just not going to do it. And, I, and I've thought about this. I don't know if I'm Ed whether – I do it. Yeah, the scouts might be upset. The scouts might be mad. But look, it takes one team to fall in love with you. And if Ed Oliver, if there's some teams that say, we're not drafting him because we're taking a stance, we're not going to do this. Some team in the 20s that went to the playoffs last year is like, wait, you, you guys left Ed Oliver on the board? <laughs> we'll take him. We'll draft him. I'm not saying the Texans will do that. I'm not saying the Texans won't do that. But just saying, if you take a stance like that, because you're upset because he didn't work out or he did it his way or however. The team's going to drive. It's going to take one team that, that falls in love with him. That's it. That's all it's going to take. So, yeah, scouts might be upset. Oh, we wanted to come see him. I just The more I thought about it, the more I think maybe he's not going to do anything. But I'm going to go over there and find out. I hope he does because I do think that Ed would end up testing very, very well. I think the one thing that I'm pretty sure he won't do is measure again because Ed I don't think has ever been 287 in his life. And I don't think he will test at 287 if he's going to do other testing. So I don't know that he's going to do uh, any of the measure. I don't think he's going to see how tall he is or see how much he weighs. If he's going to test, I guarantee he doesn't. If he's not going to test, he might just hop up there and be 287 again. And then when he shows up to training camp, he's going to be, or rookie minicamp, he's going to be 280 or two, somewhere between 275 and 280 because that's what he played at. Let's, let's be clear about that. So I'm curious to see what he does if he does. But the more I think about it, because I thought about this with Donovan Wilson yesterday at Texas A&M. At Texas A&M, he didn't run the 40, and I thought, man, what's he doing? And I thought, wait a second. Now, Donovan's not in quite the position that Ed is, but he didn't run the 40. But you've seen him on the field, you know he's plenty fast. My question would be for Donovan, like, why aren't you running? Is there something that you're worried about? Yeah, I know he's got a groin injury, but you did everything else. You even did position drills where you got to sprint 40 yards. Like, why are you not Why are you not running? Were you trying to hide something? With Ed, Ed's thought to be a top 15 talent, I mean, a top 10 talent or a top 5 talent, depending on where your bread is buttered. But there's going to be a team in the, in the bottom half of the round that says, you left him on the board for us? We'll take him. We don't care. We saw what he could do. We know the athlete he is. We trust our scouts and what we saw. We'll draft him. And may, have, may not have met with him, but they see him on the board. So it just takes one team to fall in love with a guy, no matter what he does. At that point, I kind of feel like that's going to happen to Ed. And maybe there's no, maybe there's nothing to be gained by doing anything at Pro Day. So we'll find out tomorrow. I'll be over there at University of Houston and try and give you some Twitter updates when it's all said and done at Jay Harris Football. So go check that out. All right. CBS Sports' Pete Prisco sat down with Mark Vandermeer at the owners' meetings. And here you go. Joining us right now in Phoenix, Pete Prisco, CBS Sports. How's it going, Pete? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a while since we caught up, so let's do some catching up. AFC South, I know you're an expert. You talk about this an awful lot. So what are you thinking here? Going into 2019, the Colts looked really good down the stretch, and the Texans were on the bad end of a couple of their wins, including the playoff victory. Yeah, I think it's wide open. I think that division, any one of those teams can win it again. Um, look, the Texans, to me, are one of the most intriguing teams, but until they fix that offensive line, 
I can't say they're the best team in the division. I, I worry about that line, and they have to really do a lot in this draft. If they can address that in the draft a couple different ways, then I can look and say, okay, well, the Texans are back, and, you know, Watson is fantastic. But he got hit so many times last year. And he, what, he got sacked 64 times, wasn't it, last year? Way too many. And he can move. So that tells you the offensive line's a major issue. But I think the division as a whole is wide open. I think the Texans are, will be very good again. I think the Colts, you know, a lot of good young players, they have the best quarterback in the division. I know the Texans fans probably don't want to hear that, but Andrew Luck's the better player. And then in Jacksonville, that defense, you know, for all the run the Colts were on at the end of the year, Jacksonville shut them out. When they were on that run, that defense can still play, and now they add Nick Foles, and then Tennessee is, you know, going to be the typical Tennessee team, tough, physical, and uh, and probably run the football. How long do you think they stick with Mariota? I mean, obviously they have a lot invested in him, but it's not working out quite as well as they had hoped. No, that's a good question because you you look at it, this is a big year for Mariota, and I think they're trying to help him, giving him some uh, some people on the outside. I think they still have to draft some uh, wide receiver, but. Uh, yeah, th- this is a big year for him. He's got to go in there and prove that he's the long-term answer. I think there's still some doubt whether he is, and I think there's people even in that building probably have doubts whether he is. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, joining us. How's it going to work with Nick Foles in Jacksonville? Uh, they have to build that offense around him. I-, I think he's a guy that if everything around him goes well, he can play well. Uh, we saw that in the playoffs. I think he was fantastic a couple years ago in the playoffs. But, again, I go back to this year. In the postseason game against the Saints, I think that's a perfect microcosm of who Nick Foles is. He was outstanding for a quarter and a half, average to below average for two quarters, and then came on in the fourth quarter and had a chance to win the game. You know, Alshon Jeffrey dropped the ball that was intercepted. For me, that's who he is. He's going to be up. He's going to be down. He's going to be average, I think, when you add it all up. But they had to do it. They had no other options. I mean, they could have gotten a draft, but this regime needs to win. And so they decided to pay Nick Foles, and, and now they just got to figure out what they're doing around him because the offense has to be better. The AFC South came into existence in 2002 when the Texans joined the NFL. So when you look at all-time quarterbacks in the history of the division, which isn't that long, Peyton Manning's obviously number one. Who do you think is number two? Is it Steve McNair? Is it somebody else we're not thinking of? Mark it's Brunel An- was around. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah, Andrew Luck. It's Peyton Manning one, then Andrew Luck two. And the Colts got them both. Yeah, they got both. I mean, yeah, that was the way that worked out was perfect for that franchise. I mean, look, that team isn't that good. It's it's building to something, but right. he you know takes them over the top because he can carry a team. What about the Patriots? What are you thinking here as far as Brady Belichick and how long it might go? You know, every year we try and count them out, right? Yeah. I mean, every single year everybody says, "Oh, this is the year the Patriots go down." They said it in the middle of the season last year. Jacksonville yeah. blew them out. Uh, and everybody said, oh, they're done, and Tennessee beat them, and, and they're not any good. Well, you can't count the Patriots out unless they play poorly in December. Right. And if they're playing, because they always go up as the season moves along. Belichick's great at building that team uh, as the season moves along. He moves he experiments early in the season, moves guys around and stuff, and then figures it out at the end of the year. So can they do it again this year? Sure, even if Gronkowski does, is retired and he says he is. Uh, they'll figure, they have a ton of draft picks. They're going to be able to address a lot of their needs. Who's the biggest challenger to them in the AFC East? Because it seems like we come up with a different team every year who's supposed to do it, and they fail, and then it's kind of like a rotation. So maybe it's the Jets right now, but who do you think? Yeah, the Jets are in, I, I keep an eye on Buffalo. I think Sean McDermott has that. They play hard. They're, they're a tough physical team. Uh, he needs to supplement that with talent. He did so in free agency, got a bunch of guys that can help Josh Allen, his young quarterback. 
Uh, but I, I think Buffalo plays hard. But I think the Jets are the second team. I, if I had to rank the division, it would be, uh, you know, clearly New England. Then probably the Jets and Buffalo are pretty close. And then way down to the bottom, it's Miami. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, joining us on Texans Radio. What about Darnold? We saw him late in the season. He looked pretty good. I uh, had Dan Leverfeld on, and he was saying, well, a lot of secondaries they were playing were a little banged up. He's tapping the brakes a little bit on Darnold. Not saying he's not the guy, but that you got to give him time. Yeah, I don't. Look, he did some really good things. It's hard to evaluate a rookie quarterback. And, and everybody, you know, we all sit here and we praise Baker Mayfield. But he stepped into a good situation. A, he played a lot of bad defenses in that little run. But B, he had players around him. And he had a pretty good offensive line in front of him. The Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold, had a bad situation. The Buffalo quarterback, Josh Allen, had a bad situation. And Josh Rosen had a terrible situation. So uh, it's easier for a young quarterback to have guys around him. So I think we... What we saw last year from Darnold was a, kind of a learning year for him. He did some good things, did some really bad things. Uh, it, but Adam Gase is a good coach, and he's a good quarterback coach. I think he'll, he'll do wonders for him. Seems like we went through a lot of years where highly drafted quarterbacks did not do that well early, if at all, ever. And now we're getting Mahomes and Watson, and it, we're getting some guys finding success relatively early. Baker Mayfield, you pointed him out. So does this make everybody think, hey, I've got to get a young guy, I've got to play him right away? Well, you got to be a special guy. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to get thrown into a bad situation. It could break some, you know, psyches. I mean, didn't right. that happen to David Carr and with Houston? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Uh, way back in the day. And, you know, there was still some theory that David wasn't exactly the guy that stayed around the facility until 9 o'clock at night either. So uh, I think, you know, if you're the right guy, I think you play him right away. And I'm a big believer in that. Get on with it. Find out. You know, it's not doesn't cost you a lot of money anymore to draft a quarterback. You put him in there. Find out what he is. And if his psyche is broken because he played, then you drafted the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Watson played, and he was fine, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I'm a big believer in playing right away. Now, Kansas City's situation was a little different because they did have Alex Smith, and he had, yeah. you know, he played well. And everybody goes back to Aaron Rodgers. Well, they had Brett Favre there. I mean, so he could sit. Uh, but most teams now don't have the luxury of being able to sit those guys. Mahomes, I'm not going to ask you if he's for real. Clearly he's for real, but it's going to be hard to encore after what he did last year. It will be, um, but you know what? They, they, they call great games. They're very aggressive with their offense. They have playmakers all over the place. Now the Tyree Kill situation bears watching. If he's not on the field, they're a different offense. Uh, but I, I, you know, he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns, but eh, 45 maybe. Right. I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off. Does it work with Flacco in Denver? For a year. You, you you know, it's an upgrade. And I talked to some people out there. They, they feel it's an upgrade. But how long is it an upgrade? I still think they're going to draft a quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked to see them take Drew Locke at 10. We were talking about the young quarterbacks. What about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? I, you know, he's got to improve his passing. Yeah. You know, we all get caught up. Well, I don't, but a lot of people do get caught up in the runaround quarterback who runs. and electric. Look, Deshaun Watson runs, but he throws to run. He run, moves to throw. Right. You've got to move to throw. In this league, it's about moving the throw. You don't get faster as you get older either. That's, you know, that's played out over the course of time, and it's played out with the quarterback position. Look, RG3 burst onto the scene, got hurt, and was never the same. Colin right. Kaepernick was going to revolutionize the game, and eventually they figured it out, and, and look what happened. I mean, uh, as a player, he kind of got benched at one point. So I, the game eventually ends up in the pocket. So Lamar Jackson's got to learn how to be a passer. Pete Prisco joining us. A couple more for you. What about the Raiders? Is this working? Is this going to work? Antonio Brown, the way they're handling their business. There's some inconsistencies here, it seems, from the outside looking in, but what do you think? It'll be interesting to see how Gruden handles Antonio Brown. Now, he's been good with veteran guys. 
Uh, so I, I think, you know, maybe he's got a good gauge on it. But, look, Antonio Brown's going to be 31 this summer. And his yards per catch went from in the 15s to the 12s last year. Is that a sign of what's happening? Is he slowing down? Was that a, a, a you know, a by factor of the a byproduct of the offense uh, changing a little bit with the way that, you know, coordinators change? So I worry about that. And then how do you handle him? I mean, you bring a guy like that. They got rid of Amari Cooper in large part because they couldn't, didn't like the way he handled his business. Well, you right. go get a guy, you trade for a guy that quit on his team in week 17. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't jive there for me. Will it work with OBJ in Cleveland? And who got the better of that deal? Right now, we're going to sit here, and, and I agree with it probably on the surface. And Antonio Brown and the Raiders got the better of that deal because they got a player, a good player. Yeah. And the Browns probably got the better of that deal. Two years from now, we might be looking back on it and saying, you know what, we were all wrong. Because sometimes when you get draft picks for receivers, particularly, you look at it and you go, oh, boy, that's a big play receiver. is going to be a star. But they don't ever play to what they were. I mean, Joey Galloway was traded for two ones, right? Yeah. Uh, Roy Williams. The, I mean, we can go on and on, and they never worked out. So, so for me, I think there's a risk there. And right now, on the surface, the two teams that got the receivers got the better players, and it looks like they won but two years from now, that might change. I'll give you another one. Peerless Price, franchised, it goes to Atlanta, doesn't exactly work. He ends up back in Buffalo, actually. Right. right. I mean, there's been boatloads of them. Yeah. You know, Gruden got rid of Keyshawn after that. You remember they got yeah. Keyshawn, and he got in there, and he got rid of them. So I, I think you got to be careful with receivers in second spots. Pete, thanks a lot for joining us. You got it. Absolutely. I know sometimes Pete comes off a little prickly. He's not always the friendliest on Twitter for some of you. I like Pete. He is honest. But they start talking about the Patriots. You know, that's one thing I haven't really had a chance to talk about. Rob Gronkowski retiring. How about the Patriots losing Trent Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Trey Flowers? Those are three huge losses, man. Huge losses. Now, I will say this, too, about Gronk. I hope the Texans play the Patriots in the first eight games. My gut tells me that once he's away from it, he gets you know kind of a break. He'll want to come back. I could. I mean, look. I know he took a beating the last couple of years, and basically throughout his career, I will believe it when I see it. And look, as long as number twelve still slinging it, they're going to be fine. I have a feeling the Patriots are going to swing a deal, as they have. I remember two thousand seven; they swung a deal for Randy Moss for a fourth rounder prior to the draft, and we all went, "How did that happen? How did you guys let that happen?" I got a feeling that they're going to they're gonna try and do that. They'll try and do that. Hopefully they won't. But, man, that's a lot of firepower loss, especially in the run game to the left side with Trent next to Gronk. Boy, that's going to impact them at some point. At some point. So, then again, like I said, I'll believe Gronk being gone for good when I see it. Isaiah Wynn will step in nicely at left tackle, but they're going to have to try and find a tight end. Wouldn't surprise me at 32 if they took a look at a tight end at the bottom of the first round. So, uh, so there you have it. Big thanks to Pete Prisco, to Brian Gain, to David Fletcher, of course, to Mark Vandermeer. He'll be back tomorrow with John McClain, I believe. So you definitely want to tune into that. Appreciate you guys listening. We will see you tomorrow. I will be at Houston Pro Day. Have a little report maybe on the show tomorrow from Houston Pro Day. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texans.